Let's start at the beginning. Hilchot uh, Brachot. The Maimonides, in his famous code, uh, the Mishnah Torah, the, the uh, Yad HaChazakah, the, the 14 books that organized Jewish law for the first time in Jewish history in a systematic way. The Talmud, as you know, if, anyone, if you've studied Talmud know, is knows, is very free-flowing, associative, uh, totally one topic leads to another. It's not organized in the way that a law code. Rambam, influenced by the Arabic uh, scholars of his day, decided to write a code that organized it. So the Rambam in the second book of the Mishnah Torah has Hilchot Brachot, the laws of Brachot. There is no such thing in the Talmud. The Talmud has Masechet Brachot, but Masechet Brachot has many different things. It talks about prayer, it talks about Kriyat Shema, about the, the saying of the Shema, it talks about dreams, it talks about a lot of things for those who are in psychiatry. So, Maimonides in Hilchot Brachot at the very beginning lays out a structure where there's a three-tiered structure of blessings. And he starts with, he starts with the... Maimonides starts with the biblical, very systematic. What's biblical and what's rabbinic? So Maimonides starts off in the first parak, the first chapter. Mitzvata minat Torah. There's a biblical commandment. mazon. To make a blessing after you eat. It says in the Bible, in Sefer Dvarim, in the book of Deuteronomy, that when you're going to come into the land of Israel, the land of Israel is going to be this great place. Uh, full of mountains and rivers and this and stuff and you're going to enjoy so you should remember that you shouldn't just attribute it to your great might and your great success and you shouldn't just think you know I feel like I'm in the campaign that you didn't build it right but rather you should remember that God was behind what, what happened the you should eat and be satisfied and then Maimonides says, One is not obligated from the Bible. On a biblical level, a person is only obligated to make the blessing, the grace after the meals, if one was satisfied. So if you had a really yummy meal, then, and you're full, then you have to bless from the Bible. But if you had a really, really horrible meal, and you weren't satisfied, you took one bite, and then you stop, like uh, everybody's talking about this uh, food critic, right, in the Times, right, who reviewed that restaurant this week, right, everybody knows the Times, I don't know if the Rambam, but everybody knows that, that review um, in the Times, so if you are not satisfied, you, can't, you don't make a bracha, you don't make a blessing. However, rabbinically, even if you eat just a morsel, you eat a, an olive's worth, you must make a blessing. So on a biblical level, the only blessing that is obligatory, that is rooted in biblical um, roots, is the blessing post-eating. The blessings that we make um, before we eat are, according to Maimonides, not at all biblical. So when you invite Uncle Leo at the wedding to make the hamotzi, right? So right, the hamotzi, which is a funny, because the word ha is an article, but the hamotzi. So when you invite Uncle Leo to make the hamotzi, that's a purely rabbinic creation. It is not a biblical creation. But the Rambam then continues that there are four, three categories of rabbinic blessings. Umidivrei sofrin, rabbinically, levarech al kol ma'achal techila. There is a biblical, there is a rabbinic obligation to make a blessing before every time you eat something. And then you must take 
some uh, pleasure out of it. Meaning, if one makes a blessing on an apple and then decides, no, sorry, never mind, you know, like a Saturday Night Live, never mind, that is called a blessing in vain. You made a blessing, you invoked God's name for this beautiful apple, and then you've decided, I'm not interested in the apple, that's a blessing in vain. So you must take some hana'a, you must take some enjoyment from the world. If you have a beautiful smell, if you smell, you know, the beautiful grass, you smell the beautiful hadasim, you smell the beautiful myrtle branches. Sfaradim have a beautiful custom that uh, on Motzei Shabbat, on the Saturday night, when they make Havdalah, they don't use cinnamon and they don't use cloves, they use hadasim, they use myrtle branches. You have to make a blessing. Okay? And even if you intended to eat or drink, that's what you have to do. The Chol below bracha, the Rambam here, we'll get to the source of this Rambam. Rambam uses a very interesting term. Anyone who enjoys from the world below bracha without a blessing, ma'al. Mi'ilah is a Hebrew word which means that you have acted inappropriately in relationship to something which is holy. Generally, the word mi'ilah is related to what we call hekdesh, to the world of sanctity, to the sancta. So if you enjoy a cup of coffee, but you didn't bless you didn't bless God before you had the cup of coffee, it's as if you are mo'el, as if you take liberty with something which is sacred, which is interesting. The apple is transformed into something sacred in front of you. It's like you're sitting in the temple and you went and you took from the temple treasures and you used it inappropriately. That's called mi'ilah. Very, very strong language. And then the Rambam continues. The chaymi divrei sofrim from the rabbinic source. Levarech acharei kol sheyochal v'chol sheyishteh The rabbis introduced that you also have to make what we call a bracha chrona, a post-enjoyment blessing. In addition to birkat hamazon, in addition to the grace after the meals, one also is obligated rabbinically to say a post-blessing. But that's only... Notice, Rambam says, But you must drink at least a little, uh, about 3.3 ounces, and you have to eat a kezayit in olives worth. Interesting in the Rambam, keep this in the back pocket. Notice, Maimonides did not say that when it comes to the blessing of eating pr- of, of prior. Prior to eating, Maimonides has no what we call shi'ur, has no measurement. If you take a morsel, right, there's these diets where, you know, especially fancy schmancy, I once saw Barbara Walters talking about it, right? Everybody just, this is what the way that they do. You have this fancy thing, you paid $37 in Le Cirque or wherever it was, but you take a morsel, and then you move on and you eat something else. This is like the fancy schmancy diet in Manhattan today, Okay. Okay, I don't follow that doc. Okay, so the hushi yochal That's only after the after blessing, but the previous blessing there is no shiur, there is no measurement. Keep that in the back pocket. And then the Rambam says an interesting thing that many people don't know. Umitam emet. If you're cooking, if you're cooking, and you decide to taste 
simply to see does it have enough salt, does it have enough garlic, is it too is it too sweet, is it too sour? You don't require a blessing. Did you know that? If you're sitting and cooking for Shabbat and you're tasting the soup and you're not having a whole bowl of soup. I'm, I'm tasting. You're not tasting. You're having a bowl of soup. You have just a little taste. You don't need to make a bracha because you're not intending to eat for the purpose of satiation. You're not intending to enjoy. You're simply intending to taste the food. So halachically, from a, a legal point of view, you have no obligation to make a blessing, which is also very interesting. So that's the first category of blessings. Then the Rambam continues, Just as you make a blessing on enjoyment of this world, so too there's a second category called blessings on mitzvah. Maimonides here makes a fascinating comparison. It's interesting. He starts not from the world of mitzvot, from the world of commandments. He starts from the world of enjoyment. We start with the, Rambam says, the or the foundational example of brachot is, is the blessings over food. And then the Rambam says, just as you make a blessing before you eat, so do you have to make a blessing before you make a mitzvah. Which is interesting. It's, 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 some people might have thought we should start the other way. Start with mitzvah, oh, that's holy, that's special. And then move to blessings over food. The Rambam does just the opposite. And the Rambam, interestingly enough, seems to compare mitzvah to food. When we make a blessing before we do a mitzvah, it's like a blessing before a food. And the Rambam even says, Just like if I make a blessing on an apple, I then have to eat the apple. So too, if I make a blessing on a lulav, I then have to shake the lulav. If I make a blessing on matzah, then I have to eat the matzah, etc. And finally, the third category. Ubrachot rabot, many blessings, There are many blessings that the rabbis instituted which are shevach v'hodaya, which are praise to God. Very interesting. Interesting distinction. What about, and the blessing before food is not a, it's not a uh, praise to God? <laughs> I mean, is it, all, is, it, is it also praise to God? Blessed be God who created the apple. Created, not the apple, created the tree. Blessed be God who brings, you know, the, the bread from the land. But it's interesting. The Rambam has a different formulation for this third category. Praise and thanksgiving to God. Or blessings of request. For example, the blessings that we put in the middle of the 18 benedictions that we say every day. Shmona Esrei are blessings of request of God. Salach lanu, give us forgiveness. Rifainu, give us health. So the Rambam puts that in the category of Sheva Fahodaya, because when we affirm that God is the source ultimately of our health and our wealth and our success, then we are basically praising that God is the one who runs the world. Kedeli's core habore tamid, in order to remember God constantly. even though I didn't enjoy Veloasa Mitzvah. It's fascinating. So when, in the morning when the rabbis, most of the blessings 
that are part of prayer. The Baruch Sha'amar. Blessed be God who said and the world was created. God's name should be blessed forever. Nishmat Kol All these beautiful, beautiful prayers, the Rambam says, are a third category. This category, even though I'm not experiencing anything at this moment, it's not like I just had a heart attack and I was... Somebody gave me CPR or God pulled me out of, a, of, a, of an operation. When I get up in the morning, I may be tired, I may be in a lousy mood, I may be... But, Lizkor Tamid, we're supposed to remember the Creator all the time. Even though we haven't experienced any pleasure, V'lo Asa Mitzvah. So it's, it's a kind of timeless, that third category. It's very... Uh, this reminds me always of... Um, the very famous Midrash, the very famous comment that uh, Rabbi Heschel of blessed memory was very uh, fond of quoting. Um, the Midrash says, if you ever study the Psalms, some of the Psalms, Psalms always have an introduction, which doesn't really matter that much. Like, Lam livnei korach mizmor. This is the song that was said by Vnei Korach. And then we go on, the Psalm has nothing to do with Korach. It just, it's a Psalm. But this was the people who said it first. Tefillah l'Moshe, Isha Elohim. This prayer was said by Moses and then we... But there is one interesting uh, anomaly, if you've ever noticed, when we say the Psalms. Some Psalms start like this. L'David Mizmor. To David a Psalm. And some start, Mizmor L'David. A Psalm to David. What's the difference? Is it just to give it a little... a little... um, givun, a little bit of of um, variety what's the purpose why do some so some people say don't make a big deal it's a klutz question who cares but the answer is there is something and the Midrash says a beautiful thing which I think is very evocative of our own spiritual experience says, says the Midrash Lidavid Mizmor there were times in David's life where he welled up with spiritual uh, feeling he had just seen a sunset. He had just been saved from his enemies. He had just escaped Saul. He had just, you know, felt the sense of God giving him forgiveness after Bathsheba. Whatever it is. So, David Mizmor. The Mizmor, the words of the psalm, poured out from his heart. They poured out from his Davidness. They poured out from the soul of the person. But there are other times in life you get up and uh, you don't really feel like davening. You don't really feel like praying. You don't really feel like anything. But the words get you into it. Mizmor David. He took things that he had written in a different time in his life and they, looking at them, they pushed him, they prodded him to experience a sense of the holy, the transcendent, the spiritual. Mizmor David. And that's often what happens, that prayer is supposed to push us to as they say, not just daven it up, but, as the word, it's interesting, as we say it in English or Yiddish, but it's supposed to push us to think about things that we may not have thought about. In our hectic lives, we may not have thought about the fact that, you know, life can change on a dime, etc., etc. Now we think more because of the hurricane, so in the last few weeks, people have been more spiritual and people are feeling more, you know, oh, the fragility of life, but when there aren't hurricanes in Manhattan and in, you know, and in Teaneck, etc. It's harder to feel that, especially when we feel we have the control of, uh, of our own world. So Maimonides summarizes, 
נמצא, נמצאו, it turns out, כל הברכות כולן שלושה מינים. All of the blessings in Jewish life are fundamentally three, three categories. ברכות ההנאיה, blessings of pleasure, blessings before enjoying pleasure, ברכות המצוות, blessings of, of mitzvah, before we, make, before we engage in mitzvah, and blessings of thanksgiving, perfect for the week, which are three subcategories, praise, thanksgiving, request, in order to constantly remember the Creator, and to have awe and reverence before the Creator. So the Rambam says there are three categories of blessings. Now it's interesting, again, as I said, the first category of blessing is Birkota Hanaya. And what I'd, like to, what I'd like to look at is what's the source of Birkota Hanaya? What's the source of blessings on, on enjoyment? And, and, and try to ask what is really going on in the context of Birkota Hanaya on a fundamental level. So let's turn to the next source. The source of Maimonides is a famous passage in the Talmud. The sixth chapter of Mesechet Brachot, the sixth chapter of Tractate Brachot, starts, Ketzad Mivarchim al HaPerot. How does one, what exactly does one say when one blesses before one eats Perot? In classic Mishnaic fashion, the Mishnah starts with an assumption. It starts with an assumption that there's this category called blessings on Brachot, on food. The Mishnah does not start the way you and I would have liked to start, which is, how do you know? What's the source? Maimonides was much more systematic. So the, so the Talmud asks that question immediately. First line in the Gemara, Minohani Mili, how do we know that it, there is such a question, there is such a concept as blessings before one engages in eating? So it's a very, very interesting language. The Talmud says, quotes a verse. The verse, just to give you a little background, is talking about a mitzvah called Neteravai. Neteravai is an interesting mitzvah. We're so detached from the agricultural world, but the Torah says that if a person has a field, the first three years you're not supposed to enjoy the fruit of that field, of orchards. That's called orla. The first three years the fruit is supposed to be not touchable and the third year the third year that it gives fruit is called netaravai that which has come out on the fourth year should be it's in Israel yeah in Israel we don't we don't we don't really do it well it's a machlok it's a machlok about the Gemara it's a machlok in the Gemara about whether the chutzlaretz we apply or we don't apply okay generally I'm not getting too complicated but for now so the Torah says that you should bring it up to Jerusalem and eat it in Jerusalem. And the Bible uses a very interesting phrase, Kodesh Hilulim. It is holy to be praised. Interesting. The Torah uses the phrase that this fruit has a kind of quasi-sancta status and it must be Kodesh Hilulim. It must be eaten as holy with praise. So the Talmud is very struck by this language, Hilulim. Kodesh Hilulim Ladunai. It is holy to God. Says the Gemara, why does it have a double language, Hilulim? 
doesn't say Kodesh Halel. Hilulim melameid shetuunim bracha lifnehem ula acharehem. This teaches us that we must have a blessing prior and after to the eating. According to this source, it sounds like there is a biblical source for the concept of blessing before you eat. And the truth is, if you woke me up at 3 o'clock in the morning, it's a very powerful idea. It's very much like, you know, we wash our hands before we eat bread at a meal, according to the Jewish law. Why do we wash our hands before we eat? What's the big deal? Make sure they're clean. Why do you have to have a mitzvah? So it's supposed, one of the reasons is to invoke before the kohanim, before the priests ate their terumah, before they ate their, the, the, the fruit, I'm sorry, the, the crops that was given to them as part of their priestly uh, entitlements. I guess that's the word. Okay? So, you have to, you have, they would make sure that they were on a special level of cleanliness, holiness, etc. for tumah. Not for dirt, but for ritual purity. So we reenact that when we eat bread. Which means that whenever we eat, it's almost like a, we see it as a kind of eating of something sacred. We're in the temple, or we're in the temple precincts, we're eating. So the, Ram, so the Gemara here seems to say, that there's a positive commandment, which is echo of the way that we eat in Jerusalem, when we brought our first fruits. Now again, it's interesting. If I only had this source, and here I want to get to the Chakira, I want to get to the analytical analysis, if I can use that word. <laughs> I want to get to the analysis. If I only had this, I would say that fundamentally, what, 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 we're, viewing, what we're viewing the bracha as is a shevach. It's basically a hyper sense of praising God. When you use Kodesh Hilulim, you're giving Hallel, you're giving praise to God when you make the bracha. That's what this seems to focus on. But then Rabbi Akiva says, Amar Rabbi Akiva, Asur la'adam shi'it om klum kodem shi'ivarech. So Rabbi Akiva said, one is forbidden to, to eat anything before you make a bracha. So this is a little bit of a different formulation. It's not just about praise. It's also about somehow it's as if I'm stealing. Forbidden. Uses the word forbidden. It's not just a nice thing to do. It's literally forbidden to enjoy. I mean, when I see a rainbow, so the, the halakha says I'm supposed to make a blessing. I'm supposed to make a blessing. Because I'm supposed to recognize this great thing in nature that God created. So, would you say it's asur? You can't look at the rainbow unless you make a bracha. There is no formulation in the halachic system like that. But here comes Rabbi Akiva and adds the formulation, it's forbidden to eat without a blessing. So it's not just a, it's not just a, a shevach. It's not just a praise. There's something more going on here, according to Rabbi Akiva. And the truth is that later on, the Gemara is going to formulate it that way. If you look on the bottom of the page, Gemara goes into a whole long side discussion, which is not relevant for us. If you look at the last middle, mid-wide mid, uh, lines, at the two dots, what I used to call the chubby lines, before it gets fat. Tanu Rabbanan, last chubby line. Tanu Rabbanan, 
The rabbis taught, Asur lo la adam shihanem in olam below bracha. It is forbidden for a person to enjoy something from this world without a blessing. And if you enjoy something from the world without a blessing, ma'al, this is where the Rambam got it from, you are taking the sancta that exists in the world and using it without permission. You are literally stealing from God. So this is a different issue. This is not just about praise. The blessing is not like Baruch Sha'amah. It's not like Ashreu Shvebetecha. It's not like Hallel. It's not like the blessings of Hallel which we say on a holiday. It's something much more. To use Lumdisha terminology, to use the classical analytic terminology, it's what we call a matir. It's a license. It becomes not just an act of thanksgiving of God, but it becomes a license. Just like I can't drive a car. I'll be put in jail without a license. I will, I will be, quote-unquote, put in God jail if I don't get a license that recognizes that I'm just here, I'm borrowing something that was God's. I am given permission when I recognize who's the real creator. Not simply because it's the right thing to do, but I literally do not have the ability to partake of the world. I am a steward of the world. And I am only allowed to if I recognize that God is the ultimate master. So the Talmud continues, a very interesting question. My takante. So what should he do if he doesn't know the blessings? Yelech Eitzel Chacham. should go to a Chacham. So the Gemara says, what is this? Like, he's going to say five Hail Marys and save you, what's it? Yelech Eitzel Chacham, what's the Chacham going to do for him? If you committed a prohibition, there's no dispensations in Judaism. If you ate food without making a, a blessing, you ate food without making a blessing. So the Talmud says, Rather, you should go to yeshiva, go to school from the very outset, brachot, and he should learn blessing in order so that you don't reach the point when you're in trouble. People often ask questions when they're ready, you know, down the road. What do I do now? What do you do now? It's too late. Okay? <laughs> you got yourself into this pickle. You should make sure that you know the blessings and know the importance of making a blessing. Amar, and now the Gemara continues in the same vein. Amar of Yehuda Amar Kol olam bracha. Anyone who enjoys, partakes of this world, from this world below it's as if you have taken pleasure from that which was supposed to go to God without proper preparation as it says God is the world and the universe is God's the world, the land, and all of its totality is God's. So you are stepping, you're on private property. You need permission, you need to be buzzed in. Right? You need to be let in and announced that you can come and trod on God's property. And the Gemara continues, Rabbi Levi, Rami Ketiv, Rabbi Levi used to point out that there seems to be an apparent contradiction in biblical language. 
On the one hand it says, Ladonai Ha'aretzum Loa. In one verse it says, God, the, wor- the, the, the world and everything on it is God's. Uchtiv, on the other hand, we say in the Hallel prayer, Hashamayim Shamayim Ladonai Ve'ha'aretz Natan Livnei Adam. The heavens are God, but the earth was given to the human being to develop. So isn't that a contradiction? Either God is the author of everything, and He takes away... He engages in simtum, he engages in retraction, contraction, or not. So the Talmud says, beautiful. Lo kasha, no problem. Kan kodem bracha, kan la'achar bracha. One is before the blessing, one is, before the blessing, it's all God's. After the blessing, when you acknowledge that God is the source of everything, then God lets you in and allows you to enjoy the world. And now we have an even stronger language on human terms. Amar Rabbi Chanina bar Papa kol hanenem in olam hazeh belo bracha ki ilu gozel la kadosh parchu vikneset Israel. It's as if he steals something which is not his or hers from God and the Jewish people. So this is very very strong language, and this is the source of this idea. Now the idea therefore is. The Chakira is which of these elements is dominant. Ultimately, how seriously should we take this last, all these, all these very strong formulations? Is it just a nice little, you know, poke encouragement that don't, you know, that you should know that, you know, to kind of scare us, to make sure that we make brachot? That you're like stealing from God? Or does it actually have legal ramifications? Does it actually have legal ramifications that it's not just a birka hasheva, but it actually is something more? From the fact that the Rambam categorized it as a separate category, seems to me that the Rambam clearly believed that this is not just some nice midrashic, agadic um, encouragement, but it has real legal teeth. It is not a regular, it is not a regular birka hasheva. It is not a regular blessing of of, of praise. And let's take a look at what might be what might be um, one of the one of the what should we call it one of the uh, ramifications what we call in halacha nafkamin. If you turn to the next page, there's a very very complicated sugya which I'm not going to do with you now. We're on brachot daf yudbet. So if you flip the page, brachot daf yudbet should say. Some of you have a double sided. Some of you have a single sided. On these, it should be the, the back of this. Brachot Yudbet. The other ones I'm going to say outside. So, But Brachot Yudbet. Does everybody have it? Mm-hmm. Say Yudbet. So the Talmud has a very complicated sugya about the following. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but if a person picks up a cup of wine and thinks it's beer, or thinks it's beer, and, or, or picks up beer and thinks it's wine, and you start making one kind of blessing, and in the middle you all of a sudden realize that it's, oh no, I actually look at what I have, and it turns out it's the other one. Beer, you make a shehakol niyabidvaro, the blessing on all kinds of food. Wine, you have a special, specific blessing, borei priyagafen. So, it's a complicated halachic discussion, which I'm not getting into. But the Gemara kind of leaves open the conclusion. And commenting on that, 
Commenting on that, there's a toast vote on the left-hand side, the fourth toast vote on the page. One, two, three, four. Fourth, fourth toast vote on the page. Lola tuye nahama. So toast vote says, Upirish Rav Alphys, the reef, Rav Alphys, Rav Yitzhak Alfatsi, one of the first who shown and lived in 10, from about uh, 1040, I'm sorry, about 1005 to like 10 something, 1090, whatever it was. Upirish Rav Alphys, hashta delo ifshita. Since the Talmud doesn't know what to do, the, the, the Talmud never resolves its, 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 its issue, whether this is considered a legitimate bracha or not. Meaning, if I start the bracha, Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Melech Olam, and I thought I was about to say, Shakol Nebitvaro, and instead I and then all of a sudden I look in, and I go, Borei Pri Hagafen, the blessing on wine, does that count? Because maybe when I said the name of God, I thought I was going to drink beer. So halakhically, maybe it doesn't count from a halakhic point of view. What the Gemara says, do you go zil butter reisha or butter seifa? Do you follow the beginning or the end of the blessing? Because the essence of a blessing is God's name. So if I'm blessing God for beer, but I'm about to drink wine, does that technically work? So the Talmud says... Hashta delo, the riff says, Hashta now delo ifshita bayan. Since the Talmud never resolves this, Azlinon lekula, we follow leniently. Vafilu patach bechamra. Even if you opened up and you started thinking that you were making a blessing on wine, v'siyein b'shichra, but you finished the blessing and you realized it was beer, yatsa, you fulfill your obligation. But then there's another opinion. Veri haya omer lechumra. The re said lechumra. Ditzarech levarech pamacheret. So the re, one of the great balei atosafot, said, "No, you should be stringent, and you should make another bracha." Now this is crazy. On at first blush, because it flies in the face of two halachic principles. Halachic principle number one is. Suffolk de Rabbanon Lakula. Whenever you have a rabbinic law and you're not sure whether you fulfilled it, we generally say, since it's only rabbinic, you don't have to do it again. If you don't remember, for example, let's say, according to most opinions, Sfirata Omer. Sfirata Omer, counting the Omer today is rabbinic. So what happens if I don't remember? I don't remember, I'm going to sleep. I had a very rough night. I don't remember if I counted the Omer or not. Do I have to go and do it again? So it's not a big deal without a bracha, I'm saying. Do you make... No, you don't make the bracha again. Because you're getting... That's number one. Number two, Safek bracha lahakel. We have another principle. That when you have... When you're dealing with God's name, you don't want to... Right? Jews in general don't like to say God's name. Right? We say Hashem. Right? We, we don't like to say God's name a lot in vain. So there's a general principle that if you have a safek, a doubt, whether you made a bracha, you don't go back and make it. But all of a sudden the re here says, no, l'chobra, you should make the bracha. Why? Flies in the face of general halakhic principles. So the answer is given by Rabbi Kiva Eger. I'm sorry I got cut off here. Rabbi Kiva Eger writes, on the right hand side, I'm just going to say it outside, the answer is very simple, says Rabbi Kiva Eger. You want to know the logic behind it? Because 
The principle of Safek Brachot Lahakel says the Rabbi Kivayger applies to Birkot Hasheva. Blessings of praise and blessings of mitzvah where it's not what's called Me'akev. I can count the Omer with the blessing or without. Of course it's ideal to do it with a blessing but it doesn't end the world if I didn't say a blessing. If I eat matzah and I didn't make the blessing I share Kiddushan mitzvah that God you sanctified with me I still, I still did the mitzvah of eating matzah. But says Rabbi Kiddushan that's by Birkot HaMitzvah and Birkot HaSheva. But when it comes to Birkot HaNen when it comes to blessings of enjoyment Asr Adam. There's an element of stealing from God. And so there's conflicting power on the other side of the equation. It's not just a, okay, oh, you'll eat anyway. No, 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 no. You have a real issue of quote-unquote stealing from God. And that trumps Sufek Brachot Lahakel. And that trumps Sufek Drabanan Lakul. That's amazing. So it's not just some nice little rabbinic homily. It actually has halachic teeth, according to Rabbi Kivayger. That, therefore, since we're not sure, better to go back and make a bracha again on your beer. If you started and you picked up your beer, and you thought it was wine, and in the middle you realized it was beer, start again. Baruch atah Make another bracha. Mach another bracha. Make another bracha, because... You understand? It's not just a nice little homily. It's actually another element. Second of all, another possible uh, nafkamina, another possible nafkamina, possible issue, is the question of which the Talmud discusses very interesting question which might be at the core of this debate what happens if somebody ate you ate an ice cream cone and you forgot to make a blessing it happens sometimes sometimes we're not we're, we're flawed human beings sometimes we're really hungry and we just dive into the food and we forget to make a blessing so what happens thank you very much so what happens? Are you in the middle of the ice cream cone? no you finish the ice cream cone you finish the ice cream cone so you so should you make a bracha? So the Talmud, yeah. So the Talmud actually has a debate about this. So you tell me, what are the two sides of the chakira? What are the two sides of the problem here? If you say that it's sheva, it's fundamentally and exclusively a blessing of sheva, of praise and thanksgiving to God, so maybe you should make it, even if you finished eating. You're still, still in your tummy. It's not... You're still satiated. So just like with a bracha chrona, just like with a blessing, a, a, a post-blessing, so do. So make a blessing. And you have to eat another ice cream cone. You should <laughs> eat another ice cream cone. Maybe. But maybe not. Maybe. maybe. But if you say that it's fundamentally a matir, it's a license. What license? You already, uh, you finished the ice cream cone. You can't change history. So there's no point in blessing. Fine, but that doesn't affect the bracha rishona, the first blessing. So the truth is, halakhically, how do we paskin? We paskin that you don't make a bracha. We follow the opinion, you don't make a bracha. Which clearly shows that we understand that the shevach component is very low. That fundamentally, it's a bracha of a matir. It's a bracha of a, a licensed blessing. And as you said correctly, 
if I'm still in the middle of the ice cream cone, I should make the blessing because I'm still going to get another enjoyment. I'm still going to be nehene. I'm still going to be nehene. Okay? And that, of course, also affects halakhically. What happens if I get no enjoyment? I'm not getting enjoyment out of it. I'm just getting, you know, nutrition. That's, you know, like that's the famous thing when, let's say somebody's eating through an IV tube. Do you make a blessing? You don't make a blessing. You're not enjoying. Somebody's zapping nutrients into your, into your veins. It doesn't have the sense of nehene. You're not like, oh, I'm enjoying something, you know, that I shouldn't have or that, that I didn't ask permission for in the classical uh, halakhic sense. Well, you could make that comment that mother gives him spinach? Yes, maybe. Maybe. I'm not enjoying it. Unless you say that halakhically, we don't determine subjectively by your personal enjoyment. We determine by the fact that this is a food that many people get enjoyment from in the world. And therefore, you... Mr. Little Kid, you're not the determinant of how the halacha works. Okay? But the Gemara does talk about certain things like, which are like cod liver oil that nobody enjoys in the world. Would it require a blessing? If you're only, or for example, if you're only eating it for medicinal purposes, you're getting absolutely no enjoyment at all, should you make a bracha? The Gemara discusses that. Yes? So the Gemara goes back, usually the Gemara says you don't make a bracha. Anikram. Yes, it does. You're asking why, where do we draw the line? Right. There's an active element of enjoyment of something concrete. I agree with you. If there were a way, let's say, to make a rainbow appear, maybe there would be this kind of discussion over that, because in that case, there is no way. So obviously, the rainbow's there already. Your enjoyment is not right. possible. It's your control over... It's to an element, you know, it's how... How we can get involved in the control and the idea that this is always to God. Right. Correct. No, there's no doubt that it has to be examined exactly. Why is it the rabbis, when they defined Birkot HaNani, they made very specific, they talked about food, which is kind of primary fuel of human being, and aromas. They also made Birkot HaNani and aromas, which is a very interesting area um, to discuss, but requires a lot more uh, analysis, etc. So today what we did together was we looked at the three basic categories of brachot, three basic categories of blessings. Birkot, uh, biblically there's only one category of blessing, and that's the Birkat HaMazon after we're satiated. We thank God, B'Shevach. Birkat HaMazon is a pure Birkat HaShevach, a blessing of thanksgiving. We then looked at there were three categories rabbinically, Birkot HaNananin, blessings of enjoyment, before enjoyment, blessings of before you do a mitzvah, and blessings of Shevach Vahodayah, blessings of thanksgiving, of thanksgiving and praise to God, which also includes blessings of request, where we recognize God as the source of, of all our bounty. And then we looked at the key issue, which has tremendous ramifications about what is the nature of Birkot HaNananin. Is it basically a souped-up Birkot HaShevach, or is it something else? Is it a licensed blessing, which is a kind of new category? The Rambam's formulation seems to say that it's a new category. And then we looked at a couple of practical nafkaminot, practical um, uh, distinctions. One might be the question of whether, um, uh, whether um, if you have a suffix, if you're not sure whether you made a, the correct blessing or not, do you go back and make the blessing again? And number two, the question about uh, the nature 
of whether if you ate already, do you have to make a bracha again? And again, if we had had more, a little more time, we could look at some other nafkamino, including the question about aroma. Though the principles around the blessing around aroma, are they the same as the blessings around nani? And how does this issue uh, play itself out? For example, just to give you a little taste of it, the Talmud discusses um, whether, um, you know, does the aroma that you're having have to have a source? Meaning, or is the source already gone? Let's say you're smelling incense, and you have like, you know, those thingies, I don't know what they're called, uh, you know, like the Hare Krishna guys give out, right? So the, the incense, so let's say the incense is all gone, but the aroma is still there. So do you have to still, if you now smell the aroma coming, not from an incense stick, but from that, the lingering aroma, is it too ephemeral to have a bracha? And that's interesting. What's the issue? If you say it's more of a question of nene, you're enjoying, it's kind of hard to make a distinction. If you say shabach, maybe there might be a distinction. It has to be the praise was only instituted on the kind of of, of hana'ah, just like a food. You're, you have to enjoy something concrete. Again, these are some of the distinctions that might arise when we look into this issue.